I think it kind of like to a certain extent you do have your responsibility keeping the tourists where they belong. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Low Season, a podcast about tour guides, tourism, and the future of travel. I'm Wouter Bernhardt, a tour guide from Berlin, and currently I'm gauging how my colleagues are navigating the pandemic. We return to Berlin to talk to Arya Jakob, who's been a tour guide in the German capital for over 10 years. She's originally from Oldenburg in Niedersachsen, and that's where she's currently sitting out the pandemic while we're all waiting for work again. Arya is the co-founder of the Berlin Guides Association and has her own travel company called Berlin Locals. I start asking her if she noticed any difference between Berlin in early March and Berlin now. Here is Arya Jakob. Have you noticed uh, in the last couple of days, maybe even a week or so, weeks, that uh, there's more people out and about? Um, I don't really have the um, comparison because I actually only got back to Berlin a week ago. I was hiding out in the countryside um, at my sister's for nearly eight weeks. And so I was told that it was really, really empty to begin with. But at the moment, I just find it chock is full everywhere, particularly when the sun is shining. And I mean, I get it, you know, people want to get out and about, but it's just, it's weird navigating your way around people everywhere. Are you going to stay in Berlin now? Nope. Nope. <laughs> Leaving tomorrow again. All right. Tell me, tell me a little bit about that, that decision to go to the countryside. When, when was it? When was that taken precisely? That was a very spontaneous thing. I did my last tour on the 14th of March. Uh, which was like the day after the U.S. ordered everybody to come back. Um, and my clients were U.S. Americans. And I mean, they were stuck in Berlin anyway. Everything was closed already because on the 13th of March, all the museums and everything closed down. Um, so we did this really weird tour through a closed Berlin. And they were in a huge hotel at Potsdamer Platz. And they were like, besides another couple, the only guests there. And they said like it was the creepiest thing ever. Um, and so I was like, okay, that was like when it dawned on me, I don't think I'm going to have a lot of work soon. <laughs> and so pretty much a couple of days later, I, um, thought my sister talked to her and I was like, Hey, how about I come and visit? Because it's nothing really to do in a closed down city. Um, so I was like, I'm better off going to see family. My sister has a house and garden, so that's quite luxury at this uh, at these times and I'm close to my parents and my grandparents are in a nursing home there and I have two other sisters there and my nieces and nephews and so is how, how has that how has that been for the past eight weeks is that is that like a, I'm 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 a city I'm a city person so I do love going to the countryside for a week maybe um well I grew up yeah. in the countryside so it's kind of like I mean I hated it as as a teenager as every teenager possibly does um but I I do love I do love nature and I do love the countryside and it was just nice having some it's, it's nice for having some downtime and it was nice having some downtime um and just not worrying about anything really because you know usually you know that for yourself you know when you're self-employed you know you're always kind of like you're working on the next project and you need to kind of like um acquire new customers and you need to worry about like you know am I gonna get enough money together and you're kind of like always with half of your head thinking about your business and even end up writing emails on Christmas Eve you know because 
some American customer thought it might be a wise idea to send you an email on the 24th of December. Um, but you do that because you kind of, you know, that's part of your identity. And now that's gone, like entirely, completely, which is nice. So now how do you, how do you see, how do you see that? Because you say it's gone, obviously it's not there right now. Oh, it will come back. I'm, I'm pretty sure it will come back. Not this year. <laughs> And I think it's kind of, um, I mean, for me, my, my customer base mainly is American, you know. So when you take a look to America, you kind of get the feeling they won't be traveling anytime soon. Um, not because they don't want to, but because I don't think that a lot of people will let them in the way that they're handling the whole situation. Um, and I think whoever's kind of like in our job um, has a European customer base more. Um Probably we'll get back into work this year, but I don't think for us. I'm, I'm not worried. It will come back um, because people will be, um, will have itchy feet when all this is over and have a lot of money saved if they did not go completely bankrupt. What about your own um, tour guiding business? Do you, do you fear at all that... You might not have the same business as you used to or might go out of business? Um, I won't go out of business because, well, first and foremost, I've, I've been in the job long enough to have to be well connected. So I'm, I'm not really concerned about that. I have um, agencies in, in different countries that I work together with. Um, and I, I do think I, I've worked up to a pretty strong stand in the industry. So I'm not really worried about it. Plus... I am pretty sure that they will come back. Um, the question is just when and how to fill the time until then. But, I mean, there are things you can do. What about the other, what about the other maybe like bigger companies? Do you see that they might be in problem? They could be, um, particularly the Spanish and the Italian guides. <laughs> and, I mean, I personally do hope that this whole mass tourism thing will come to a halt for a very long time because even though I live off tourism, I was, I've been really concerned about the development of our um, branch in the last years because it just got ridiculous. I mean, if you can, you know, take cruises and flights for as little money as you can, um, that is neither good for the destinations nor for the planet. And... I just do hope that, yes, tourism will come back, but I hope it will come back a little bit better, which means I do hope that just like the, the ginormous, cheap mass tourism will take a little bit of a hit, which then, of course, you know, consequently would hit the bigger companies that are aiming, you know, for, for numbers, you know, because, I mean, you can only do like a free tour with so many people that the tour guide has to pay for. So it doesn't really make sense otherwise as a business model. So I've, um, been, I've been thinking about this for a bit and talking to a lot of people about this, uh, not just the job as a tour guide, but also, of course, the impact that tourism has on the cities that we live in and uh, the way we travel and uh, airplanes and environment, all those kind of things. One of the things that struck me is that everybody sort of seems to understand that... Um, 
there is a lot of tourists in the city of Berlin. The number has been growing and growing and growing. That, of course, has provided lots of jobs and employment for, for many, many people in the city. Of course, lots of money comes in. That's also a big impact of, of a big factor of why Berlin has had uh, money for projects. But one of the one of the things that I have been sort of thinking about a little bit is, yeah, it's it's maybe not a bad thing for the environment or for the city itself if sort of cheap tourism disappears, but it also kind of makes travel and tourism and going to places become a bit of a luxury again. And the fact that you can't go to a place because you're poor or because you don't have so much money, I don't know, it's, it's this question of elitism that I've been then struggling with a little bit again. Yeah, that is true. Um, but to be perfectly honest, when you look through the 7,000 years of history, travel has always been a luxury. You know, travel is not a life necessity. It's not like eating and sleeping and, and stuff like that. So um, technically, travel is a luxury. Is a great luxury, and we're used to it because you and I have grown up in some of the richest countries in the world. So we have the luxury, and we're both white. Let's face it, um, and we we started with all the luxuries in the world, which means we kind of like grew up in a world where we took this for granted. You know, we we even feel entitled to it to a certain extent. Um, but when you look at the people who travel. It's people like us, you know, we do go and travel to Thailand and Vietnam and we go to South Africa or on a safari and stuff like that. So to a certain extent, you would say um, it does cut down the privilege for those who are privileged already, because to be perfectly honest, everybody who traveled before, no matter how little money they had, was privileged. Um, of course, you know, there is... A thing to you need a certain amount of money but i mean travel is not always defined by hopping on an airplane and going to the other side of the world mm. i mean germany mm. will be booming with tourism this year by germans because they were like oh okay fine we can't go to greece we can't go to mallorca even though apparently they're talking about that um so let's go travel in within germany um and so I find defining travel just by hopping on an airplane and going to a foreign country on the other side of the world is a little bit narrow-minded because there are so many destinations close by where you can travel as well. Um, and I mean, to a certain extent, you always need a budget. What about tour guides themselves? Uh, I think many of us just work uh, because it's a nice job and... Um, yeah, I mean it's it's something you can get into if you know if you have the skill set to, to to entertain a crowd, to learn the facts, and to tell an engaging story. Um, it's it's been a fun job for many people to have, and I think it's been very. <laughs> I think it's been great that so many people have been able to be a tour guide because there has been so many tourists. Do you do you see there is? How do I say this? Like, do you see there is a sort of responsibility for guides as well to think about tourism and tourists? Or do you think it's okay to just cater to whomever comes to the city? Um, I think I think it kind of like to a certain extent, you do have your responsibility keeping the tourists where they belong. Um, I'm, for example, a person I do not 
and I never did take groups into neighborhoods like Kreuzberg or Friedrichshain or whatever. I do that with private clients now and then, but that doesn't have the disruptive force than group tourism has because I do find um, to a certain extent there's more to tour guiding than entertaining a crowd, um, particularly. I mean, maybe I feel differently about that as a German that I kind of feel more the responsibility of kind of bringing the history to the people and making them understand it. Um, and I mean, I am a studied historian, so that's kind of like my geek part in the whole thing. So I'm like, you know, um, let us talk about, you know, what really happened to a certain extent. So I'm, I'm not really about the entertaining factor because fair enough, I'm German, so we're not really that entertaining by nature. And um, still, I, I never really agreed with the whole concept of, on the one hand, you know, a lot of tour guides want to live like in, in cool, hip neighborhoods and whatever and complain about them being invaded and on the other side being part of the problem. So, um, so I always believed in the concept of um, keep the tourists where the tourists belong, um, in the touristy places. And if you take people out into neighborhoods, do it in small groups, do it with private clients. Don't shove like tour buses through Oranienstrasse because that is being part of the problem in my eyes. Um, I, I'm, I'm thinking a little bit about that. If I go to a different place, um, I, I don't just want to see the big tourist hit. I, I want to get a sense of the culture. I want to get an idea of how people live. I want to see the different neighborhoods. And um, maybe in the beginning it was all about, or tourism was all about seeing the biggest sites. But I feel like tourism has also changed to, yeah, seeing, getting an understanding of what another city in Europe or across the world looks like. Oh, I totally agree with that. But it always depends on the how. As I said, like I love doing neighborhood tours with private clients, with tiny groups, because if you personally want to go and see the life or the, the neighborhood, you won't see it in a group of 40 people that run after a guy that tells entertaining story on each street corner and blocking the way for everybody and being a nuisance to the rest of the people around them. Because that's not an inside of the neighborhood, because then you're just kind of like, you know, you're going to a zoo and look at the animals running around like, oh, look, it's real Berliners in the neighborhood and they sit in the cafe. Isn't that cool? You know? Um, and I even kind of, even with private clients, I sometimes have to take them uh, from or try to explain to them, don't take photos of people. You know? It's just kind of like, A, it's rude. B, it's actually not really allowed in Germany. And C, these are not zoo animals. Don't take a photo of a cute kid in a stroller sitting in a in a park, you know? Um and I think it's the duty of the tour guide as well to kind of like communicate that to the people as well. Because if you want to explore the neighborhoods, that's perfectly fine. But don't do it in a way as if you're kind of like, you know, running with a camera through a movie set. Be there, go to the cafe, you know, sit down amongst other people and be part of them. That's perfectly fine. But if you do it in the traditional tourism way, then it's not exploring neighborhoods. Then it's just seeing more sites in the same sense. So, I mean, this is why I think um, a lot of tourism has sh shifted more towards these like personal experiences that people also like to have. You know, they want to do 
um, cooking evenings and they want to go and see some local artist shop and stuff like that or go vintage shopping in the village or stuff like that, you know? And I think that's a, that's a good thing. But um, in the same, because also, I mean, this is supporting the local economy as well. But again, it's the how, you know? And there we come back to mass tourism. You can't have something like this when you have ginormous crowds around. You need to do that on a personal level, either with a tour guide or alone. But other than that, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Mm -hmm. So what about your, um, what about you and well, the next couple of months or next year or so? What, what are you, yeah, what are you planning for yourself? Oh, I love that I can't plan at the moment, to be perfectly honest. I mean, um, I am financially, um, luckily in a situation where I'm just like, okay, fine. Um, because I applied for hearts fear and I got it. And, um, I got the Zofortilfe as well, like the emergency payment in the beginning. So, um, first it was like, oh my God, I have to go out and get a job and blah and sustain myself. But then I thought like, well, I've been self-employed for the last, how do I know, gosh, that old, for the last 17 years, which means I've, I've never had a kind of like a properly employed job. Um, and so I decided to do what a lot of my friends that, um, have normal jobs do in between jobs. They're like, Oh no, I have my unemployment money. I'm just going to kick back for a couple of months and then I'm going to go and find something. And that's what I'm going to do because I can, I miss my job because I love my job, but I can't do my job right now. So I might as well go enjoy myself and, um, I started the whole kind of like what, what people should do at, at, at Corona times, you know, I started baking and cooking and painting and drawing and all of that stuff. It's fun. That was Arya Jakob from Berlin. And it left me with plenty to think about. Life as a freelancer, mass tourism and gentrification. Arya has some pretty strong ideas, maybe even principles as to what she thinks about the role of a tour guide. And I like that, because for a long time I didn't really think about my responsibilities as a guide. I just worked, showed people around, and put emphasis on delivering the content accurately. The low season has allowed me to critically reflect on what it means to be working in tourism, how traveling impacts our communities in good ways and the bad. Engaging with my occupation has let me both energized and exhausted. Can this industry really be a force for good? by shaping meaningful connections and opening people's eyes to the world? Or are we inevitably changing or maybe even destroying the parts of our cities that we like so much? Somebody that positively believes in the power of travel is travel guru Rick Steves, who I'm very excited to have as a guest on the show on Wednesday. That's it for now. If you want to find out more about the tours that Arya is conducting, you can find more information at berlinlocals.de. The Low Season is produced by me, Wouter Bernhardt. Music is by Mark Schilders. Artwork is by Cece White. Georgia Ryungu and I went to the Mugelsee on Saturday, where Georgia proved herself to be somewhat of a kayak connoisseur. Speak soon, my friends. Um, but when you look at the people who travel, 
it's people like us, you know, we do go and travel to Thailand and Vietnam and we go to South Africa on a safari and stuff like that. So to a certain extent, it does cut down the privilege for those who are privileged already. Because to be perfectly honest, everybody who traveled before, no matter how little money they had, was privileged. 